Family Film Review. It has been uh, it has been a traumatic experience. Uh, ben and I both had to go into rehab to uh, recover from cocaine bear. It was a little bit. We had that was back in was it February? Uh, I don't know. Time means nothing. Uh, time is illusion. Drugs are bad. Doubly so. Um, so Ben, there is a something that I noticed. There's a thing. There's a trend. There's an occurrence, and that is that um, it appears that. Comedy movies are trying to make a comeback. It's it's it, we saw a couple trailers to yeah. the liking of comedies, like yes. not just raunch coms, right? Because that's been done right, to death, yeah. like the the knocked up and thereafter the Jed Apatows. I, I think there's there's a need, there's a want. Maybe yeah. it's a post COVID thing. Maybe it's just hey, summer season's coming. We need this kind of you know not yeah. everything not everything's a Marvel, right? Well, not, not everything's a Marvel, but also like uh, you know, Guardians is coming out before Memorial Day. And, you know, we've, yes. got, we've got, you know, obviously there's Indiana Jones and there's Mission Impossible, Mission Impossible July, Dune this fall. Yeah. yeah. But, um, you know, the old July 4th Will Smith Welcome to Earth. tentpole thing is kind of dead. Yeah. And then there was a comedy renaissance with, you know, Adam McKay and Judd Apatow. And then that kind of died out. And then um, a massive percentage of our population died out during a two-year period. Right. And Nicole Kidman... Has come to save cinema, <laughs> the savior of cinema, and um, and so therefore, apparently, her 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 guidance, her wisdom, her um, the fact that clearly they trained her to use her R's when saying theater, 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 that was very theater. funny. Um, but uh, she's decided that we're gonna have some comedies, and uh, that is technically what Cocaine Bear was supposed to be. Well, and it, it, now, what? it was it was technically a comedy, yes. yes. Um, and in a bit of a horror comedy vein, you know, Scream is back with Scream 6 or whatever. It's, it's amazing that that dead horse is still squeezing well, some life out of it. I'm sorry, I can't hear the revving engines of Fast 10. What was that? <laughs> Anyways, um, is, so this, is that the last one? It is supposed to be the last one of the main trunk of the Fast and Furious extended universe. Cinematic universe. Next up is slower, but still kind of angry. Oh my god, I would love to. See the next one is The Rock and um, Vin Diesel chasing each other around a golf course, and <laughs> or, golf or just wheelchairs or yeah, something. Yeah, just really you know, souped up <laughs> hover rounds. Um, so what we decided is that um, in order to get back into the swing of things with the with the Alan Smithy film review, we wanted to push all of that aside and we wanted to talk about high cinema. We wanted to go in and look for something. Amazing. Obviously, there's a lot of options out there. There's the wonderful Tetris on Apple yeah, TV. Yeah, a lot of very, things are streaming good. now. Yeah. Um, I recently saw the very gritty, dark, and serious um, uh, dark fantasy film uh, Dungeons & Dragons Honor of Thieves. Um, of course, there was an even uh, NC-17 movie that came out the week after, Super Mario Brothers. Um, you know, it's a dark time. And so we're, we're seeing really serious films come out. And when you have serious films, when you think about periods of serious films during our lifetime, there's been a recurring character, somebody who keeps popping up. Um, almost you'd say he's, he's undead. He pops right out of that casket. Not a zombie. And not a zombie. He is Dracul. Dracula, the, uh, the, un, the, un, the undead lord of darkness, the blood-sucking vampire. He's been interviewed. Um, he's been um, 
uh, was it Jared Lee, uh, Queen of the Damned? Oh, geez, you're he's going been, like uh, Leah. Okay. Yeah, we, we've, he's been, uh, you know. <laughs> you pulled that one out of the closet. He's been um, dead and loving it with Leslie Nielsen. You're, oh, just, gonna, you're, you're all over the place. Deep. Yeah. I mean, you're not just doing an interview with a vampire. I'm not. No, I'm going all the way back to yeah. Nosferatu. Like, every generation has their Dracula. And, you know, the, tw- the, the COVID generation, it is time for their Dracula. Will it be the... Uh, the last voyage of the of the Demeter? No, it will be right. Renfield. Right, right. Renfield. Yes. And Renfield is the the familiar in this film. The movie is called Renfield, yes. and much like Frankenstein, is the, it, that's not the monster. Right. Frankenstein is the doctor, scientist, inventor, yes. whatever crazy. Renfield it's alive. It's alive. Is Dracula's monster. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and and the trick is that Renfield has always been a character of the traditional Dracula play of the tradition. When when I performed. By the way, Ben doesn't know this. I did not know this. Please when go on. I was on. in theater in high school. I was Dracula, and my uh, my one of my best friends of all time, Leslie Gladney. Sorry, she's she's SAG after us, so I, I think she's fine with me saying her name. Um, she was Renfield, and wow. we practiced their um, toxic codependency by uh, we wanted to show a, a, a we wanted to really help the audience understand that. So she actually. I'd wrap my hand around her neck, but she would do a pull-up on my arm so it looked like I was holding her off the wow. stage. It was very cool. We had special effects. Uh, you know, it was a lot of me trying That's to a stay. a lot of upper body strength there. Well, it, was, it wasn't for long, um, and she did not weigh very much. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and, I've, I'm all, I'm, and I'm also a very, very big person. So it's all, it's all math. So uh, for our is, listeners, a familiar is... A familiar is... Someone who is enthralled into service for Dracula, um, and has some of their powers have, if they ha, eat. can tap into. Well, this yeah. one, this time this, he this can is, eat a bug and tap into some of his powers. Right, and, but his purpose is to. He, he is the Postmates. He's the original Uber Eats, where he would go out and get you know a snack for Dracula in the form of people. Um, that's that's the that's the first part, but. The underlying theme of this film is actually mental health, which I, I really respect it. I'm very glad that um, they decided uh, as part of their PSA sales to have a really uplifting um, commercial by Dove yeah, at yeah. the very beginning. What was that? Um, I couldn't in the movie well, theater to feel good about myself, so not have like a Sarah McLaughlin level sadness very, guilt trip. Very important message. If you if you are struggling with mental illness or eating disorders, you know, seek help. Call nine eight eight. I think it was. Yeah, nine eight. Yeah, I'm not knocking yeah, it, we, but just we like definitely need it. Not really what we're looking for to get us into the mood for a funny ha ha. Yeah, like I mean, there's movie, a time and place but, for that. There's yeah. absolutely a marketing out there that should be done for mental yeah. health, but it's it does it's not a good setup. For but this film, this also reminds me. If you'll remember, I did the math last time when we went and saw Cocaine Bear. Uh, they ran the f- same PSA seven times, <laughs> so clearly they just had really cheap airtime to sell. But the 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 premise of this movie is that Renfield is coming to terms with the fact that he is in a toxic codependent relationship with his boss, and he has found a group of people who are also in toxic codependent relationships. And, and this is not a spoiler. This is right off the top of the... It's a trailer. He's, it's, helping, it's, yeah. he's helping them destroy the monsters that are ruining their lives by feeding them to his boss. You know, and as, as, uh, as I say, the, uh, the road to hell is paved in good intentions. 
and apparently a bunch of drug dealing boyfriends in what is apparently the crime ridden hellscape that is New Orleans. Really? Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I knew that New Orleans has had issues with crime, but they're sort of the same issues that every major city has. But um, New Orleans apparently, due to its, um, let's say, adjacency to the occult due to voodoo and. Sure. Yeah. You know, uh, that sort of it, thing. It, that you see in New Orleans in vampire stuff, in right. True Blood series, yeah. maybe the vampire. You, you see that as a. Because it's got the motif going on down there right yes exactly so um you know never mind that it also has a hilariously catholic background where you can't really go anywhere without seeing a cross but whatever um you know so therefore aquafina you know uh being um rachel quincy so when you're thinking of the most <laughs> irish person you can think of it is asian american comedian aquafina right and her sister um, and uh, she is part of, she is on the DUI squad. Uh, in a there. town that has daiquiri drive throughs as in she a says. Town that has yeah. And open, open drinking on the street. Um, so that's the second plot. The first plot the, the first, is that yeah. he's getting out, he wants to get out of this toxic relationship. There, so, how does he do that? Well, he can't do it by himself, yeah. so he has to have motivation. Enter side plot, yeah. Aquafina. In, yeah, yeah, yeah. The troubled, and then there's that. altruistic cop. And then, of course, um, you know, the. That side plot is tied in through the C plot. Yes, this this movie is so complex. It in ninety three like, minutes, it has three plots. This is the inception of vampire comedy movies, um, and so you have Ben Schwartz yep. reprising his role as John Ralphio from Parks and Rec, right? But with tattoos this time, and he's the worst. <laughs> and um, snake juice. Oh yeah. my god! And so. Uh, he and Soresh Agadashlu, who freaking I loved her from from The Expanse. I know I don't think you ever watched The Expanse. Wow, I didn't even know her name. She's yeah. one of the best actresses you could possibly have, and clearly she's uh, clearly Hollywood is doing her dirty because the only job she could get was this. Anyways, uh, she brought way too much grace and finesse to a role that didn't need it. Um, so you know what? She's the matriarch. She's the matriarch of the crime, of the crime syndicate family, family in New Orleans called Lo- the Lobos. Yes, which Lobos. if you don't you don't forget their name, their their marketing is everywhere in this yes. movie, from and, hood ornaments oh, yeah. to statues Just to wolves, tattoos, more wolves than you can eat. And and the best part about Los Lobos is that they have an Egyptian matriarch with a very Jewish son in line. So it's you know the most Hispanic <laughs> thing you can imagine. Uh, no one speaks Spanish. Um, so, all right. So, so there, then, there's there's plots that are it's it's got, a it's a character arc. You're watching characters yeah. be, overcome either a fear or mm-hmm. a toxic relationship or something. So like, okay, they're they're this is moving along. They're yes. doing things. Yes, vampire is at the core, I guess. Like, because there's yeah. Nic- Nicholas Cage is is Dracula, right? Yes. And I haven't seen a movie centered around. The AA level, yeah, grab yeah, a cookie, yeah. coffee, self help groups since Fight Club. Right. I thought, wow, this is a nice sequel, Bike Club. Wah, wah. Um, mm-hmm. And yes, there's a, I don't know, I mean, he, and, he's the central character. Yeah. But but he's not the star. He's not the star. Nicholas, Nicholas Holt's character is the, is star, the star of it. He's right? the central character. And I keep thinking, am I watching 
um, what's his Next name? Man? Four Weddings and a Funeral. Um, um, you know, Hugh Grant. Hugh Grant. Yeah, I'm getting a little Hugh nah, Grant vibes now and then, see, but it's still did, Nicholas Holt, yeah. who did such a great job in Warm Bodies. He does a great job, and he, he does a great job of being hilariously tall in an industry full of short people. Hawker <laughs> yeah. is like four foot eleven. Were there any Apple boxes left <laughs> to have him in frame with anyone else? I didn't realize how short Nicholas Cage was until this movie. Uh, he's actually that. I think he's about six six one or so. He's just like six four. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's, yeah. he's really tall. So. Uh, all right, so here's what you – listen, Ben and I have been very cheekily beating around the bush because we all know, listeners, that you have one question on your mind, and that is the question of did Nick Cage leave any piece of scenery unchewed? And the answer is no. He, he, uh, he actually baby birds it because he digests it a little bit and chews it some more. Like He says, you know what? You thought I was Nick Cage in the unbearable weight of – um, uh, the the unbearable the weight of massive, massive talent. talent. You thought that I, he was yeah. Nick Cage in it up there. Hold on to your hat. Even if he's billed as a second, like a supporting actor, yeah. he's still the main it's attraction. Not a scene right? He doesn't instantly steal. Right. He by himself climbs and chews up the curtain, spits it out, put makeup on him, yeah. put him in a costume. Oh, it's game on. I mean, I'm trying to think of other actors who have done vampire movies twice. He did right. Vampire's Kiss back in the 80s, yeah. and now he's done this. I'm trying to think if other actors have done Wait, that. I thought he was in another movie. I thought this was his third round. What was the other one? Oh, I'm blanking out. Listeners, help us out. Oh, yeah. Listeners, help us out. Damien's having a brain fart. But, yeah, Nick, little, little Nikki Coppola says, oh, I'm going to go nuts. And not only that, I want to do a shout-out for the special effects department. That is the second star of this movie. The reason why I say that is that basically the besides the hilarious video game style blood splatter that's in every scene, uh, they had to figure out how to map those weird teeth to Nicolas Cage's ever-changing lip patterns at all times. <laughs> they look like actual sharp teeth, too. I wonder if you they look like on piranha it. teeth. Yeah. And um it was all. It was clearly all CG, but it was. It was lots of. It was lots of like, Nick. Nick did not want to. Ha I could tell that he showed up and said, "No, no, no, no. I'll just do the two thing. My thing. You don't have to worry about the CG." So I'm going to act. I'm going to act the heck out of the fact that I've got fangs. And they went, "Okay, Nick, do your thing. We'll just work overtime." You on put a quarter in him. He's gone. Him, yeah. So. I mean, yes. it was like it was like Django Unchained level blood times three. Over oh, it was it was just buckets, buckets. Didn't know the human body could contain that yeah. much blood. Yeah, in violent scenes, you left for a little bit, you came back. It was a fight scene, blood, 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 gore, 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 but in a hilarious way. So it's all yeah. video game level blood, very much so. And that's the point of this movie. It's not meant to be serious. Um, is it a fun movie? I had fun in it. Yes. There are fun scenes in it. Yes. Um, I think it Nicholas Holt is the kind of straight man yeah. in it, and he reacts well to, I mean, how do you not be a straight man, Nicholas, Nicholas Cage, in this movie? But. Well, yeah, and also he's the straight man to Aquafina, who is a comedic actress, yeah. and she plays her comedy very subdued, but she's still funny. You know, it reminds me of her role in... Um, no. Uh, uh, Crazy Rich Asians? No, 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 the Marvel movie. Um, <laughs> Simu Liu. Um, Which Marvel movie are you talking about? The, last the couple Asian years? The Asian fighting one with Simu Liu. Oh, the, uh, the, the, the Rings. The Rings. The Rings. Shang-Chi? Shang-Chi, yeah. I, I saw it on I a plane. So. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's the one uh, with the rings. Yeah, it's the one with the rings. Yes. Uh, she was funny in that, too. It's the same thing. She kind of sidekicks. And this time she was a little bit less of a sidekick because she was tasked with counterbalancing Nicolas Cage because 
no one could be as funny or off the rails as Nick Cage. So everyone else kind of had to dial it back a little bit or else it just would have been honestly a naked gun movie like yeah just been over the Nicolas top. cage in this movie is what jim carrey was in liar liar yeah like they just unleashed him yes. go be what we know you want to be and he's probably around 60 or so but yeah. he's i mean sure there was some stunt action going on here but he was he was in the moment for a lot of this oh, yeah. right and he was very physical with his role which was fun and was nice about the side characters that they weren't just one trick ponies for the most part right you had a little one-offs little characters the cops have little personalities, which yeah. which fills those gaps between those big moments with the big characters. And a lot of movies have lost that, where you you forget about the side characters that occupy the real world, yeah. and you give them little moments of humor or like a, a dynamic of like good cop bad cop, literally in this case. <laughs> um, and that's what keeps the, the plot moving along, because really, you're, otherwise you're just waiting for the next fight sequence right. or, or the, the next, next murder. Yeah, the next something happening, right? Next sanguination. So, Ben, in other words, what you and I are both agreeing on is that this was a well-produced, highly, you know, high-quality, well-written, well-executed film. No, we're not saying that. We're saying, Ben said earlier, this was fun. This is a ride. This is a, this is a, I'm at Six Flags. I don't get on the Superman ride at Six Flags expecting to have, you know, a Schindler's List experience. Uh, it's literally half that length. It's 93 minutes long, which, <laughs> which, by the way, is kind of a lost art. Right. How to tell a story, even a comedy, yeah. that for a while went over two hours, like yes. like knocked up. It was like two and a half hours. Uh, that goes in 90 minutes. And it's like, that, it was an SNL skit called, like, let's watch a short-ass movie, a short-ass movie. Yeah. Because we've lost that. We've yes. lost a lot of those short-ass movies out there. 90 minutes used to be very much the norm in the mm-hmm. 80s and 90s. That was, you rarely went over 110 minutes. And I blame the conversion to digital. The moment <laughs> that film became, uh, you, you didn't have to worry about. Endless. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We just got ones and zeros. Keep shooting. Um, <laughs> but also, like, there was also just the, the swap of if it's not a Marvel super blockbuster, then, you know, what's the point? And so this uh, movie's fun. What yeah. could have made it funner in this? Anything come to mind? Another hour of expo- you know, really digging into the other. No. <laughs> what could have made it funner? Um, there could have been. I, well, first off, I have to decide. There is a genre of comedy movie that I'm nostalgic for. That upon revisiting these days, I realize isn't as good as I remember it being. Naked Gun, Hot mm. Shots Part Two, mm-hmm. Robin Hood Men in Tights. Of every every word out of every word out of everybody needs to be a bit. And I love that. You know, Monty Python invented the concept, and Mel Brooks perfected. Spaceballs, yes, your favorite. And so, um, you know, that was a that was a. I mean, you look at you look at Ghostbusters. Yeah, there it's it's a nice little way yeah. of con- like every every line a zinger, and then it moves the story along, and then every line a zinger, and I think this follows more that path of funny, funny, funny. All right, let's move the story along. Funny, funny, funny. It doesn't do it nearly as effectively as Ghostbusters did. And so and why? Because I, I got a reason. I got, I got, all right, I, yeah, hit me with it. I think I think it's all. I think it's the cinematic nature of this. Ghostbusters. You look back. If you close your eyes and picture Venkman yeah. and all the gang there, 
you can you can picture scenes. You picture the hotel scene. You can, you know, Slimer going around the chandelier. You can pick picture the hallway scene, the library scene. I mean, there's scenes you can just picture. Yeah. And it was because it was cinematic, and I think that was missing. This this movie did a lot of yeah. big action sequences, but it was a lot of close-ups and a lot of close-ups of faces because we wanted to see the emotion on the people's faces. And I get that, but it's a vampire movie. Okay. Show me something that looks gothic and like Tim Burton, yeah. not Tim Burton, yeah. but. A little more cinematic. Okay, I think you're right, and I wonder. This feel this felt, and uh, did you see sixty five by any chance that came out the the Adam Driver crash lands on Earth and no, did you see that? I did. Okay, there is what feels like the return of small to medium budget movies, Mm. and this feels like they didn't have money or they spent it all on Nick. Right. Who's still paying off debt, <laughs> we think. Still paying, yeah, I mean, you know, those dinosaur heads don't, you know, they're, they're not cheap. Um, and, you know, I, I, it sort of feels like one of the reasons why it wasn't cinematic is A, it wasn't shot on film. It was all shot digital. Yeah. B, I'm shocked you didn't say why is every scene at night. Um, well, it's a vampire it movie. It is a vampire I movie. I give a little more grace to the point that I it has to be at night. But, like, there's lots of nighttime action. The, the best thing about the, the fight scene I came in, came back for the bathroom in, was that it was daytime at the apartment complex. Yes, yeah. You know, but uh, the, every scene, you know, yes, it's a vampire movie, but there were lots of non-vampire scenes that were still at night. The DUI checkpoint, the... the That's true. Yeah, That's all true. That stuff. Yes. So, and there's, it felt like there was a lot of cost-cutting, and that was another reason why there was a lot of punch-ins on the face is that you don't have to build as good of a set if it's out of focus. Um, and you can rely on people that have pretty, you know, it was very obvious to me that every so often the cinematographer would go for a shot and he'd be like, all right, here's my one. And, you know, there was the, the crazy club that had the the, the head on it. Uh, I'm trying to remember the name. Of the, the oh, the Matatos or yeah, whatever yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah. the one. Matates, that, yeah. yeah. And, like, clearly they spent money on that, on the exterior for some reason. So they're like, all right, we're going to use this exterior in several different shots, and I want a crane for this shot, and it's going to be one of our good shots. And then Aquafina wakes up in his apartment. Okay, she's going to be upside down in frame, and we're going to have all these cool Wes Anderson pastel colors. <laughs> I'm going to have yes. Her, I'm going to have her eyes in focus, and it's going to be me doing. Oh man, it's just like when I was in film school when I could do fun stuff. Like there was occasionally where the DP was like, "Please, dear God, let me do something cinematic here." And otherwise, it felt like the studio was going, "Hey, uh, you got 30 minutes before yeah, you need to leave." I think you're right. I think it was a budget <laughs> thing because Nicholas Cage is a thirsty actor. He has probably what Johnny Depp has of twenty five thousand dollars worth of wine coming to him a month he's, he's got to pay that off well, there, there are movies out there that, that nick cage is very method that was probably blood <laughs> maybe yeah there, there are movies out there yes that annoy me that do too many things at dark i do give some grace to this like vampire movies yeah. i do give I, there's a lot of movies that used to be made in the dark that i really liked let me leave you some clues here so you can guess where i'm going with this there's a movie that takes place mostly at night there's an anti-hero with some supernatural powers going on. There's a crime syndicate going on that likes to just destroy things and take over the world. Yeah, I love Blade. No, it's called The Crow. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. Blade has, yeah, that's kind of like there too, yeah. That's more on the nose, I guess, with the vampire thing. But but, but The Crow had amazing, yeah. Alex Proyas knows how to be cinematic right. and pick a good soundtrack. Like, he has... He has the most Tarantino-level taste with crafting a scene and crafting like using slow motion, using sound and building crescendos. And that this movie just had action scenes. Yeah. The fight sequence that you walk back yeah. in on that was a lot of fun. Like, oh, I wish the more 
more of the movie should have been like that, right. I think. More fun. Because The Crow boy. wasn't really fun, yeah. but it was fun to watch because it was cinematic. And that's what I think is missing in this film. So I agree with everything you just said. There's one other component, though, that was also very obvious that we were both forgetting. The director, his whole purpose in life was, I want to make an homage to everything that came before. So we are going to sh- reshoot the Bell Lugosi scene. Yes. Frame by frame. With the, with the actual real estate you know, yeah. proposal, the guy going up, Robert Montague Renfield, going to Dracula's castle, becoming his familiar with the arrangement, becoming in his debt. Yeah. And that was great. I'm like, yeah. oh, this is cool. And it's the deep, old, you know. The deep fake uh, or, or just replace uh, Nick Cage's head on him, Nicholas head, Holt's head on, on, on Renfield. And and then there was every so often there were little tribute pieces to other vampire movies. Okay. And then of course the very last, the title card. I'm sorry, the title card in the credits was of course they went and they clicked the uh, add film grain and film trash button like six times, <laughs> and they used the Instagram '60s filter. Yeah. And uh, so this was very much. This felt a lot like a guy who. Had a he, he had a passion project. He loves vampire movies, and yeah. he's like, "Here's my chance to make a Dracula movie." I only was able to secure seventy five dollars in funding, and eighty of that seventy five is going to Nick Cage. So let's just make the best we can. Yeah. And um, what's yeah. what's amazing is the director Chris McKay. He directed this film and another film he directed, which is by far more budget and scale and not quite star power, was the Tomorrow War. Okay. Came out a couple years ago. I think during COVID. Very interesting concept. Fell flat in the third act, but he likes being cinematic. I think yeah. he had a bigger budget for that. But this was maybe more of a pet project for him. Like you said, an homage to things. But I mean, you, and Nicholas Cage is like you had me at vampire. I mean, that's yeah. all you needed, right? Because he's like, I'm glad it wasn't Johnny Depp. Yes. I'm glad it wasn't like John Malkovich. I'm glad yes. it wasn't something we had seen before, where it's like, oh, of course, this character actor. Like Nicholas Cage doesn't do actual, a lot of period pieces. Actual deep fake to Bella Lugosi. Yeah. <laughs> Why? 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 Um, I don't know. I can't hear. Who you else could have done what Nicolas Cage did? Well, it's tough, I mean, right? Cause well, the problem is that we've had too many. We've had too. First off, Nick Cage is the return of the non-teenage vampire, which Stephanie Meyer should be uh, staked through the heart uh, <laughs> for sparkling up. Um, you know, vampires there for a while, and we kept having um, Queen of the Dam. Was it? Was it Jared Leto? I, you know, I saw it yeah. once on TV and, decades ago. And it, was, and it was supposed to be in the same interview where the vampire kind of place. And you know, you know, there was the Dracula that we had, John Malkovich, and you know, it, it, there was there was the old vampire, but then it was the young, sexy vampire for twenty years. And this is the return back to the Bela Lugosi, old, stately, regal. And so, uh, honestly. Uh, what they could have done if they if they weren't going to do Nick Cage and let Nick Cage Nick Cage, then they should have gotten someone who was well like they did with Suresh Agadeshlu. They should have gotten someone who was so bananas, Anthony Hopkins. You know something like, uh, oh wait no 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 help me out. Uh, 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 Bob Hoskins would have been perfect for this. <laughs> And, um, is he still alive? Uh, no, but that's undead. <laughs> um, you know, so uh, I, it would have been really funny to if if they weren't going to get a scene chewing chewing person, then to get to get someone who has all the same bananas lines, but then tries to play it real straight. It would have changed the tone of the movie entirely, uh, because at the end of the day, this was a look at Nick Cage doing Nick Cage stuff, which is great because. 
he's sort of the last, I guess, Tom Cruise. But Nick Cage is sort of like the last <laughs> movie star. Like, there's lots of stars, and, there, and the problem is that there's so many now, and social media kind of equalized a bunch of them. Yeah. But when you think of a person who, this is going to be a movie, and they're going to be in it, and it's just going to be kind of their movie, Nick Cage is one of those people. Harrison Ford's a movie star, but he's also very, very old. And he's going to do his last Indiana Jones movie this year. Great. But he's not going to do what Nick Cage did in this movie. Right. He's going to read his lines. He's going to have a stunt double. He's going to have some swagger. Yeah. Get that nice crooked half smile and say some wonderful charm to the whatever is next to him. But you're not going to get Nick Cage. Yeah. Nick Cage is eating his vitamins. Yes. He's, he's staying in shape. He's doing his thing. He's just a weird, weird dude. Thank you. That's exa- Thank you for reminding me. Yes. Um, um, uh, Jeff Goldblum would have been fantastic in this role. <laughs> Yes. So, so we're looking for weird, and we're looking for movie stars. That would have been interesting, yeah, actually. Jeff Goldman would have been interesting. Um, but um, um, I really need a bus full of cheerleaders. Uh, yeah, yeah. The uh, the uh, no, no, no. Uh, actually, uh, yes, yes, you, yes. Uh, yes uh, two nuns. Yes, yeah. Um, so and, and the, with uh, with uh, with the habits. Yeah. So it, the year's <laughs> I mean, quick story. The year is 1999. I'm working at Knott's Berry Farm, which oh is kind of like the uh, the the, uh, the dark cousin to Disneyland in Southern California, mm-hmm. and it's what's called Knott's Scary Farm, which is every Halloween. Halloween, much like other theme parks around the country, they dress things up. They turn, you know, they, they keep it open after dark, and they make it scary, and people yeah. jumping out and scaring you know, like that. So, it it's easier for celebrities to come in and tour the park. And we heard, oh, we think we think Nicolas Cage is here tonight. I'm like, oh, what? What? Oh. No way! So that's my lunch break, and I go like. There's like little back alleyways you can take where the, the employees can go, right? Yeah. It's also what they use to traverse people so they don't get bothered. Right. If you're a movie star, for example. So I'm walking around looking for, okay, it's dark. I'm looking, okay, there's some security over there. And I see Courtney Cox. I'm like, oh, interesting. I didn't know Courtney Cox was here. Yeah. Okay, Courtney Cox. Was she dancing t- in the dark? <laughs> no. No, no. Springsteen wasn't on. Okay, it's, okay. And that'd be really cool if it came on the soundtrack. <laughs> but it wasn't really a scary you know, soundtrack sure. song. So I see her. Then I see her then husband at the time, David Arquette. Yeah. Look to my left. There's Patricia Arquette. Who is dating Nicolas Cage ah, at the time? Yeah. And I see him walking around. He's got this big suit on, like mm, just looking that little mm, yeah. that schmug look on his face. Like he's he's like six feet tall. And then I see him go over to one of those photo booths, like you see here collecting dust at the AMZ 14, <laughs> walk in there by himself, sit there perfectly still, and take four photos of himself looking stern and serious just by himself. <laughs> I don't know how else to describe. Like that's Nicolas Cage. <laughs> that's that's what that's kind of like for whatever reason he's going to waste four bucks and just. <laughs> Look at himself to see, like, instead of having a mirror. Yeah. I don't know what his motivation was. All I thought was, thank you for this moment. Right. Yeah. Oh, what a memory. What a memory. <laughs> yes. So, that oh that's just, God. I just, and Nicolas Cage is one of those actors that I'm, I'm just going to watch because yeah. chances are it's not going to be total crap. Yeah. I wasn't a huge fan of the Ghost Rider films. I don't know if you were or not. They, mm, yeah. I wasn't a huge fan. But he has been in some of my absolute favorite films yes. that were all, I mean, the simple fact is that Raising Arizona, I know this was back during the skinny Nick Cage era. Um, Raising Arizona is still one of my favorite Coen Brother movies, period. And then he had that unbelievable back-to-back face-off Con Air run. <laughs> 97 was a big year for him. And and there's my, my friend Ladarian and I will still quote... Nick Cage lines from The Rock to each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because what in Zeus's butthole <laughs> are we supposed to do? And so he had this amazing run, and then, you know, he went from the action to the, well, he was kind of dabbling in it, but then he went back to kind of the romantic stuff with the Leaving Las Vegas and all that. Yeah, he did, like, the, the Captain Curly's mandolin thing. Yeah. There was, like, there was Leaving Las Vegas, of course, he got the Oscar for. But yeah. he did Adaptation. 
Uh, so he had like his avant-garde stuff, but yeah. he was always just there. He was like, you just Nicolas Cage, just yeah. let him be Nicolas Cage. He's going to be and then great. the IRS came for him. And he kind of went away for a little while by just doing any bit. Twelve movies a year. Yeah, yeah, just to exist. And there's only so many snake eyes a person can watch. And Gosh. so... Um, Brian De Palma, what a, what a misfire. Um, and so now, hilariously, you have this, you know the unbearable weight of massive talent coalescing with him sort of getting back into the spotlight into being seen again and Renfield being his return to comedy. And the best part about Nick Cage is it's very clear that if he's not in on the joke, which I'm sure he is, then he doesn't mind laughing along with everyone laughing at him. Yeah. He has, he has decided that being his authentic self as bananas as it is, is what works best for him. And I'm here for it. Raising Arizona is my favorite comedy of all time. I got, all time. I got one sentence for you. You're going to get me that baby high. <laughs> Anyways. Get that baby, you warthog from hell. <laughs> yeah, it's just a wonderful quotable movie. So good. Yeah, so Nicolas Cage, he's had, what, 150 movies now? Because <laughs> yeah, he's, he's, he's closing in on Chris. Yeah, let's put it I think I watched a YouTube clip of him interviewing for this movie like with a talk show host like Jimmy Fallon or something yeah. and he talked about his favorite movies of all time I think it was Stephen Colbert actually he still loves Pig Pig's he's, his favorite Pig is his favorite yeah, yeah. He, he likes Mandy which I wasn't the biggest yeah. fan of a little too dark for my taste yeah. but Pig was really good because it was a simple plot it was a dark character he's like it's not a norm you know just cash cow movie it's something that has like some interest because it's very different than what he's yeah. done which I think by this point that's what he's craving right literally in this movie yes <laughs> I want to do the things I want to do. Yeah. So, Ben, one of the things that we struggle with as typical Americans is doing the things that we want to do. Because inflation's at like 300%. and um, Interest rates are like 7 or 8% interest rates, right now. Interest rates yeah. are at 100%. And there's no one has a job. And um, the sky's raining blood. I, I get all my news from, from cable news networks. So this all checks out, right? Anyways, um, because of that... Um, Unfortunately, people have lost faith in the bastion of economic and financial advice that is Jim Cramer, who is he's known to bat. He used to bat a thousand, never made a mistake, never told people to buy Enron the week before they went under. Did he really do yeah, that? Never told. Never never told everyone to. Uh, uh, invest in real estate in 2008. Was WorldCom, Tyco? Um, those, yeah, those? there's really, uh, you know, he's just, he's just, he's just, uh, people have lost faith in him. So luckily, dear listeners, Ben and I have s- sacrificing of ourselves, of, of great value, you know, great piece of, of who we are. We're stepping up into that position. Um, without a doubt, when it comes to uh, uh, having a special effects board where we can push buy, 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 instead of having a giant board with a thousand buttons on it with lots of dumb catchphrases, Ben and I said, you know what is important? Efficiency. Am I right? Well, well yeah, that's the American way. Oh, my way. gosh. It's so, yeah. so important. And so we, we pondered. We sat around. We had the board. We built the board. And it had five buttons on it. And Ben and I are just sitting there, and we're just tearing our hair out. Like, there is something wrong here with these five buttons. Ben, I, ben in a sh- stroke of absolute brilliance. I hope you guys, you, you might not be getting it from these podcasts. Ben is like... Einstein looks like an idiot compared to Ben. Ben walks up to this board, pulls the fifth button off and throws it in the trash. The clouds part, light shines down, angels sing, and we realize that if we had a four-point scale 
to which we could rate movies, then we could save the American economy. That's just no less than that. No less than that. If we just have, if we bring this to the people, we can turn this country. Quick, quick sidebar. Damien has no script in front of him. This is completely (laughs) ad libbed. And if you haven't seen him just do a random speech in public before, you're getting a sneak preview of what he is capable of. Because this was just his brain synapses firing, and it's hooked up on Twizzlers and popcorn and and, you know diet soda and just. It's not ad libbed, Ben. It's called reciting my memory (laughs) of what exactly happened and what unbelievable value we're bringing not only to the American people. Shout out to my friend Jess. We are bringing this value to our Canadian friends up north. And my partner's over in the UK. In the UK. Hugo and Alex. What's up, boys? Absolutely. So, you know, uh, know, uh, who needs Brexit when you've got the Alan Smithy film review (laughs) to save your economy? That's right. We'll uh, save you. (laughs) you And and Alex, I'll tell you what, send, send an MP3 of this podcast to whoever your prime minister is this week. And uh, let them know that if they listen to this, we can we can we can bring uh, Grand Britannia back to its glory. The, the sun will never set on the empire yes. because we have a four point movie rating scale. Go, so go to King Charles's in, on coronation and make sure he knows about this. We like, the confidence yo, he needs. Just walk in, and go, yo, Chucky, <laughs> check this out. Oh, and start playing our theme song. That's perfect. That's what he needs to be coronated to. Now I'm ready. Um, so let me let me shed. Now obviously these are very advanced economic concepts that we're trying to impart. So I'm going to simplify it as best I can. Um, ben explained it to me. I'm an idiot, but I can tr- sort of translate his his higher than PhD level explanation into what I would call layman terms, and I will I will try to break it down for you. So fourth. A fourth button, the top button, the four button, the the one is, is actually a golden button because it is, it is the gold standard of not only is this a movie that you should see in the theater, it's a movie you should go back and see in the theater. Maybe see it in a better theater with like yeah. 4D and popcorn that's not stale, and uh, which unfortunately we did not have today, and like the 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 Coke freestyle machine will have all the flavors available. Um, you know, a four is. Not only should you spend fifty dollars to go see this film and, and eat popcorn and get pretzel bites, you should spend another fifty dollars. That injection of revenue into the economy creates jobs. You are going to be a hero because you're seeing this unbelievable film more than it's once, sitting through more Nicole Kidman more than once for the same film you've already seen. That's a four. That's how that's good the movie is. Yes. Three, on the other hand, a silver button. Not a bad button. It's a good button. <laughs> it, we still think that you ought to go to the theater. You should help our theaters. You should listen. For only one movie ticket, you can make sure that Nicole Kidman can eat a hamburger. In the arms of... Anyways, so a three is go see it in the films. So go see it in the theater. Yes. Your favorite theater, the one next to your house, the one that you have to get to, doesn't matter. Go see it in the theater. Two, on the other hand, is wait until it is on one of the myriad of streaming platforms out there, or possibly broadcast television. Um, and keep in mind that HBO Max is about to consolidate with Discovery Channel and become just Max, and it's become much harder to find things, and they've already yeah. removed Westworld and all sorts of nonsense. Heavy censors here for the blood count here in this Ooh. one for even even FX. Yeah. Heavy censors. Yeah, this one's going to be hard to, to show on TV. There's a little bit of blood. Um, there's a few curse words. Um, probably not the one to take your grandma to. No. But if she's a big Anne Rice fan, hey, whatever. It's all good. Um, so that's a two, okay? 
Now, unfortunately, we had to have a button that's like a deep, bloody, irony, it smells bad. It smells bad. Um, it's sort of pussy. It's gross. And it's a one. And the one button is... The best way I could describe what Ben been explaining is that you should run away screaming. Like, if, if, if your partner, if your husband, your wife, your partner, suggests that you see a movie that gets a one rating... Um, Instead of picking up your phone and going to the app and clicking yes on the ticket, you should be searching for divorce attorneys and child protective services. Because this person is clearly out of their mind. They're a danger to themselves. And others. And to America, Ben. <laughs> They're a danger to America. So Just America, huh? Not our foreign and, friends? <laughs> and our foreign friends. There you go. There They're you go. What Ben has said, like I said, PhD level, y'all. Ben is he is he is streets ahead, as as a Char, uh, Chevy Chase would say. They are a threat to world peace. Chevy Chase said that. No, no, streets ahead, in community in season two. Anyways, um, <laughs> okay. So again, four. See it in the movies twice, maybe more times. Uh, quick micro thing. I think Dungeons and Dragons is a four. You need to go see it. It's hilarious. See it again for all the stuff you missed the first time. You don't have to play D&D. It's just a good time. Three. See it in the theater once. once. Hey. Once is good. Once is good. You know, eh, it's pretty good. Two is stream it. Um, Super Mario Brothers is two. 65 is a two. Don't don't know where Renfield is. We'll find out here in a moment because that's called foreshadowing. <laughs> and then one is run away screaming and 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 protect yourself by by opaque goggles and headphones so that if you're walking past the theater on your way to a good movie, it doesn't somehow infect you like some sort of um, virus that um, would require you to wear some sort of personal protection equipment. So with that, Ben, I'm going to open the floor to you because I feel like I've been. A little too uh, loquacious. <laughs> Even the word itself is loquacious. Uh, I have a very verbose vernacular tonight. Yes. So, um, Ben, what advice would you give our listeners? Quick context. The Nicole Kidman thing we keep mentioning. Yeah. I don't know what it is in the U.K. or Canada, but Nicole Kidman has decided to take a paycheck mm -hmm. to invite people back to the theater in a big 30-second promo where she walks in, in the, to an empty theater. A completely empty theater. You know, welcome back to the theaters, everybody. Walks all the way to the back. In a sequin dress by herself you know, and it's like no the magic snacks. has returned. No and snacks. it's like this kind of painful, like, it's like that video you saw when COVID first broke out where yeah. all these rich people were singing uh, Imagine by oh, John Lennon. God, yes. Yeah, it's like, it's like I don't believe you. Yeah. I, don't, I don't believe that you're, I'm not going to empathize with you. Uh, you I, I, all <sighs> the people to pick. Why, why, first off, in my opinion, Cole Kidman's absolute, her career peaked with Days of Thunder. It's been downhill since then. I mean. Why did they pick her? It just, it's the wrong move. She was okay, it's, it's it's the wrong move. They filmed the commercial in Australia with Keith Urban, I but it's, it mirrors the pretentious self lovingness yeah. of Hollywood. Yes. It's like, oh, it's such a sacred thing. We <laughs> we can joke at the Golden Globes, but not the Oscars. Yeah, the Oscars yeah. is holy. Yeah. Shut up! It's a movie. Yeah. Okay, try to have fun. That's okay. Uh, yeah, so I had fun in this movie. I had a good time. Yes. Uh, it moved along. It had buckets of blood. It delivered what I was hoping it was going to give. Nicholas Cage climbing the curtains, chewing the scenery, but it didn't overshadow the other characters. I didn't know Aquafina was in this movie. Right. Yeah. I saw a trailer or two. I'm like, I don't want to see anymore. Never appeared. I liked Aquafina in this. Supporting cast was pretty decent. Yep. Nicholas Holt is a good straight man. The action was good. The, the 93 minutes was a good length. It didn't have that cinematic 
features are yeah. looking forward to this, so I got to give it a three. But it's okay. a strong three. Yeah. Uh, ben, so here's the deal, man. Uh, cinematic experiences. Just bone chilling terror. <laughs> Look um, in his eyes right now, the, folks. <laughs> you know, just the gut wrenching gore. Um, the will they, won't they. Almost Ross and Chandler connection between Renfield and Aquafina. The end punch where you see the Three Kings level X-ray of a yeah. bones crunching inside. Or Mortal Kombat, whatever. You got lots of choices there. <laughs> um, this film is, and I brought it up before, is a return to days gone by. And I think you need to see it in the theater. So I'm also going to give it a three, with a caveat that um. You could probably be okay catching it on a matinee. I'm I'm really close to giving this a two. I'm actually not as deep in the paint on a three as you are. I also had fun. Um, this movie, I think, would be even more fun. And this is going back to the nostalgia thing of getting your friends together with a pizza yeah. and having a good time yeah. in mm. an environment where it's okay to joke along and make noise. Um, in terms of to sit in a the theater and watch it, I mean, it was good. So I'm giving it a three. I'm giving it a three, but I'm not deep in the paint like you. So that is a three from Ben and a three from Damien. And the podcasts that, in my opinion, are the most effective of these Alan Smithies is when you and I, like we did right now, disagree right. very deeply. Because Ben is very <laughs> strong three strong and very three. weak three. And, you know, you're not going to get that kind of objective analysis from from you know the Jim Cramers or the Lou Dobbses of the world. We're the only ones providing that insight. I'm the Dracula 3. You're the Tommy Lobos 3. Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. So with that being said, um, I think that we need to uh, uh, commit to continuing this for, you know, in, in the short term. Because, you know, sometimes we have, we have gaps because life t- gets in the way. But I think we need to deliver a objective opinion of uh, the next Marvel movie. Because I know that those Marvel movies, they don't get a lot of press. People don't know they're coming. Um, I think maybe we could help elevate that conversation by reviewing the next final James Gunn Guardians of the Galaxy 3. Is it his final one? Final one because he is now the president of DC Movies. Jumping ship, I see. Okay. And, um, that might, that's going to be interesting, though. It is going to be yes. interesting. Yes. What will he do with that monster? So, mm. uh, you know, Guardians of the Galaxy 1, I absolutely love. Guardians of the Galaxy 2, I just kind of liked. Is he going to go out with a bang? And I really hope he does. Um, so, or will he go the way of Thor, Love and Thunder, where it's a comedy? Yeah, yeah. Well, it's, it's not just a comedy. It's a comedy without a purpose. Because Ragnarok was just—it was also a comedy. Yes, but, but it, it had a strong purpose. Yeah, it yes. had a purpose, and so yeah, you know, uh, if you're gonna if, if you're gonna go completely bananas, just let uh, you know Jeff Goldblum run the show. Anyways, uh, that is it for Renfield. Uh, again, we want to hear from you, dear listeners. One of the things that powers us and feeds us and is able to help us uh, shape this amazing financial guidance that we give you is your feedback, because you are. You know, the regular human being trying to live in this world by watching some films. And so uh, the I'll, way to engage with us is on... I'm sorry, go ahead. No, sorry. I want to hear what they want to do, like, for a retro review for a vampire movie. Yeah. 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 You listed well, a couple off here. 
Dead, dead and Loving It. There's so many. There's <laughs> so so many. Lot. It's a genre that's been done literally to yeah. death. Yeah, maybe we should only do Eclipse Part 2 and not anything else. Just that the the last half of a film from the Twilight Saga where I've forgotten everything that happens in the first three movies. You know, whatever you guys say. Let us know on our Facebook. Alan Smithy Film Review. You can also listen to all of our podcasts going all the way back to the original Warcraft in 2016. At alansmithyfilmreview.com. Before you had a beard. Before I had a beard, back when I was a little baby face. Just a little, just a little baby. <laughs> um, my voice is gone now because my two Coke Zeros are, are also long gone. So, Ben, uh, if you have any other, uh, uh, t- tell your friends about us. Let us know. Listen to us on your favorite podcasting platform, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, uh, Spotify. All the good things. All, All the, the good, good things. things. We are here. We want to hear from you. Reach out. Let us know. Coming to you from the F-150 Studios in Northgate Mall, Hickson, Tennessee. I'm Damien. This has been. And we will see you guys. Next time. Bye. Oh, yeah. All right. And recording me pressing the stop button. <laughs>